Good evening, everyone. Recording in progress. Okay, so we are live now. Great. So I'm going to go ahead and, and get us started. I just want to welcome everyone to the June 2023 uh, rent board meeting. So I'll do roll call. Great. Thank you. Uh, Alpert. Present. Elkstrand. Here. Johnson. Here. Kelly. Marrero. Here. Martinak. Present. Mizell. Uh, Commissioner Mizell is running a little bit late. He's not with us yet. Uh, Walker. Here. Simon Weisberg. Here. We have a quorum. Great. And now the board will convene in closed session pursuant to government code section 54956.8. And um, just for the board, just make sure you realize we'll be going into the uh, conference room and I'll meet you there. Uh, 
So you got like five different yeah. things on your mind. Um, I will.
Yes. We did the land acknowledgement. Mm -hmm.
Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Good evening, everyone. Um, looks like we've got well, is everyone ready for us to continue with the agenda? I see uh, Commissioner Johnson needs another minute. You can start. He says you can start. Great, thank you so much. All right. Um, so we are moving to, well, this is when I move to, um, all right, here we go. We're at the land acknowledgement statement. Right. Um, yes. Can we do the land acknowledgement, please? Sure. The Berkeley Rent Stabilization Board recognizes that the rental housing units we regulate are built on the territory of the Huchun, the ancestral and unceded land of the Chochenyo-speaking Ohlone people, the ancestors and descendants of the sovereign Verona Band of Alameda County. This land was and continues to be of great importance to all of the Ohlone tribes and descendants of the Verona Band. As we begin our meeting tonight, we acknowledge and honor the original inhabitants of Berkeley the documented 5,000-year history of a vibrant community at the West Berkeley Shell Mound, and the Ohlone people who continue to reside in the East Bay. We recognize that Berkeley's landlords and tenants have and continue to benefit from the use and occupation of this unceded stolen land since the city of Berkeley's incorporation in 1878 and since the Rent Stabilization Board's creation in 1980. As stewards of the laws regulating rental housing, it is not only vital that we recognize the history of this land, but also recognize that the Ohlone people are present members of Berkeley and other East Bay communities today. Thank you. Um, I wanna just uh, pause and go back to the uh, information we need to provide as we just came out of closed session. Um, the board met in closed session to discuss lease negotiations for new office space located at 2000 Center Street. The board has authorized the executive director to execute a lease agreement for space in the building. And the terms of that agreement will be further defined when we reach action item 8J, where we will vote uh, to adopt resolution 2321. And at this juncture, um, we are now going to move to the agenda. This is where um, folks can make suggestions on any changes we make um, to the present agenda. 
if anybody wants to speak, if they can just essentially raise their hand because I can see, <laughs> I can see everybody. Um, Vice Chair Alpert. Yeah, I was going to suggest that we move action items eight. Uh, let's see. C. Okay. D. E. F. G. And K to consent. Okay. Um, anybody have any other suggestions or questions? Objections. Um, the only other thing I wanted to do was to pull from consent um, Ashby Avenue and 1419 Milvia. So, um, Board Secretary, did you get that? Do you want us to repeat it? No, I'll repeat it before we do the motion. Okay. Sorry. Um, going that down. Great. Vice, does anybody else, if you want to raise your one's hand, if they, if anybody else wanted to make any of the changes, I'm not seeing any hands raised. Um, um, sure. We yeah. discussed one of the staff presentations, I think also. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Um, we're going to um, move the, um, we had a special presentation um, regarding the, my understanding is that um, around the process of registration, and we're going to go ahead and move that to um, next month's agenda. That's item 9B, I believe. Yes. That's sure. under For the waivers, you mentioned 1232 Ashby, and what was the second one? Was it Milvia that you wanted to pull? Yes, 1419 Milvia. Thank you. All right, um, Vice Chair Alpert, did you want to make that motion? Yes, I moved. Uh, would anyone like to second? Commissioner Kelly had already seconded it. Oh, thank you. I'm sorry, I didn't hear. All right, uh, if we can, uh, do we need to take a roll call vote because I am we remote? All votes okay. to be roll call, and I'll just just because there were so many details, I'll just restate the motion. So mm -hmm. we're moving action items eight C, eight D, eight E, eight F, eight G, and eight K to consent. Uh, we are pulling um, ministerial waivers for uh, 1232 Ashby and 1419 Milvia from consent to action, and we're moving information item 9B, the registration presentation, to next month. Is that correct? Hi. Uh, Alpert? Aye. Elkstrand? Yes. Johnson? Yes. Kelly? Yes. Marrero? Yes. Martinac? Yes. Mizell? Yes. Walker? Yes. Simon Weisberg? Yes. Motion carries unanimously. Great. Thank you, everyone. Um, we're now going to move to public comment. Um, the first public comment is for non-agendized items. And if you can go ahead and let us know if you're seeing anybody in the um, queue. So far, there are no hands raised. Okay. So we will now go to um non-agendized or agendized items um if anyone wants to make public comment are there any is anyone is anyone in the audience at all 
Uh, there, are, <clears throat> yes, there are four attendees in the audience. Um, one person has raised their hand, and this person had also submitted a public comment to me via email, which I was going to read aloud. But since she is here, I'm going to ask her if she would like to do that herself. Perfect. Um, Carrie, would you like to read your public comment yourself, or would you like me to read it? Um, sure, I can go ahead and read it. That's fine. Okay, just give me one second to do the timer. Sorry about that. Okay, Carrie, go ahead when you're ready. Carrie, if you can hear me, you're muted. Sorry. Oh, can you hear me now? I'm sorry. I thought I yes. was unmuted. We can. Go ahead whenever you're ready. Sure. So I purchased 1232 Ashby Avenue, November 10th. Um, at, that is the only property that I've ever owned in Berkeley. And I was not aware that the previous owner did not pay their annual fee or ultimately their late penalties. In December, I um, proactively reached out to the board to complete an amended registration statement to show the change in ownership. In February, I received the bill dated from July stating that current and previous fees were due um, and also penalties had accrued. I immediately called the rent stabilization board and explained my situation, and I went ahead and paid the $500 of current and past dues, which I was completely unaware of. Um, I was also told... Um, that because I was not aware and because this had happened previous before I had owned the property, that I could go ahead and request the waiver for the penalties. So, um, again, just as you can see, I've been very proactive with the city of Berkeley by submitting the change of ownership and paying the previous annual fees, which was not paid by the previous owner. And at this time, I am asking that 100% of all the late penalties be waived, as I have shown good faith and ha um, to have good standing with the um, registration of the city of Berkeley. So thank you. Um, Ms. Antman, if you can stay on because your item is one of the ones I asked to pull. Sure. Uh, so if you can stay, because I do have some questions, but we're not at that item yet. So I'll, I'll, I'll wait for those questions. Um, is there anybody else who has their hand raised or that wants to speak? Uh, Carrie is the only person that had their, their hand raised. Hold on. All right, so great. We will then um, move to action items, or not action items. We'll remove, we'll move back to the um, next item, um, which is consent. And um, I would would at this point um, just remind folks of what is on is now part of consent, which are the contracts. Um, as, as the motion we just moved, if anybody has any questions about what is on consent at this point, I'd like to uh, invite any motions. I'd like to move the consent. Second. Thank you. Thank you. If we can do a roll call, please. Albert? Aye. <clears throat> Excuse me. Alex Strand? Yes. Johnson? Yes. Kelly? Yes. Marrero? Yes. Marchinac? Yes. Mizell? Yes. Walker? Yes. Simon Weisberg? 
Yes. The motion carries nine zero. Great. All right. So then um, I believe the next um, action or next item on the agenda would be the two uh, ministerial waivers. And um, do we have staff in the room regarding the waivers? I just have some initial we, questions. We do. Just okay. um, give her a minute to get to the staff table. <laughs> oh, just press the green button. Okay. Good evening, commissioners. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm just going to jump in since I... Um, Am I big on the screen? That must seem really strange to see looking. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so on Ashby Avenue, I guess my concern um, and is that it appears to be owned by a large, when you, when I search that the name that it is owned by, that is like a large investment company. It's not owned by an individual and that the person speaking appears to be a property manager. Is that your understanding as well? Uh, no, Commissioner, it's not. When I uh, did a review of the um, LLC and looked at the, the state website, it was owned by two individuals that did not own any other property in the city of Berkeley. So it's not, So, and one of them is Ms. Yatman? Yes. Okay. And so it's not related to a company that has the exact same name that's a large real estate firm? Not that I found, but I'm happy to take it back in review if there's something different that you found. Yeah, the, the, the person who appears to be a real estate agent who turned in the documents who just spoke um, is still on the line. Can we ask her? Just give me a second to um, allow her to talk. Hello, can you hear me now? Yes. yes. So. Yeah. I mean, um, that, yeah, I believe that might just be a very big coincidence. Um, my LLC is just a partnership between my husband and myself, and it's just the two of us um, that went ahead and purchased the property together. Um, we are not a major, you know, real estate company trying to do things like that. It's just the two of us looking to have a local investment. And um, do you live locally? I live in the Bay Area, yes. I live in Los Gatos. Um, and do you own other rental properties no, in the not. Bay Area? No, I do not. Okay. Um, and how do you manage other rental properties? No, I do not. All right. Well, you may want to Google it because okay. <laughs> the name is uncannily similar. Um, and it is a major you know, player in investment properties. So um, it was, I was concerned. So I oh, appreciate sure. your being here and clarifying. Oh, no. that my... I'm glad we could clear that up. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. My background, I'm Greek. So I picked the name as for my Greek heritage, but I'm, um, I will definitely look into that. Yeah. And no reason to change it. I mean, there is just, um, obviously we, we have more concerns if. Sure. Yeah. So, but anyway, thank you and and welcome to Berkeley. Thank you. All right. Um, and then on to Milvia. Um, I guess I would just generally say I the, the reason I pulled Milvia is it's another property where the person claims they didn't know, um, you know, that there was rent control and people aren't looking into that. And I just, it's also an LLC. I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit about what, what the ownership is. And, you know, I, I just, I just generally have a concern that 
people pretend that you buy things in Berkeley and they don't check to see whether it's registered when it's rental housing because either they're they're being disingenuous or they're wholly unprepared to be managing properties. So um, can you share anything around the the you know ownership and whether these are very new folks entering into the world of rentals? Yes. Um, so similar to 1419 Milvia, it was uh, an LLC that was created by uh, what I would say regular people. It wasn't a, a real estate management company. Um, and from that, um, I, I, could, I couldn't find that the, t- the individuals that made up the LLC owned any other property in Berkeley. So um, under that, given I thought there was good faith and it was very close to the 2122 registration cycle, um, and there was some some um, outreach that had happened with some properties, and I wasn't sure at the time that this property had got one. We have a list of all that we had reached out to, and so um, with that, um, I, I followed the ordinance with this one. But if there's other LLCs um, that are ministerial that I look into uh, that don't that are you know owned by a large real estate company, then um, I do make those discretionary for the board to to review. Right. Right. No, I appreciate that. Um, all right. Well, that, those are my questions. Um, does anybody else from the board have any questions? Uh, Commissioner Kelly. Uh, I just want to move to approve both the waivers as proposed by staff. Second. All right. Can we take a vote? I'm sorry, Commissioner Kelly. Both waivers in the same motion when I had, for some reason, thought we were voting on them. Um, I can move them separately if it's easier. Okay. Um, either way. Actually, I think it's. It's fine. I mean, I'm not going to object on. You're fine um, entertaining the motion um, as it was um, <clears throat> as it was articulated. Okay. So moved by Kelly and seconded by Alpert, correct? All right. So moving the staff recommendation for 1232 Ashby and 1419 Milvia. Alpert. Aye. Hugstrand? Yes. Johnson? Yes. Kelly? Yes. Marrero? Yes. Martinet? Yes. Mizell? Yes. Walker? Yes. Simon Weisberg. Yes. Motion carries unanimously. Great. Um, I just wanted to, so we're now moving on to action items, uh, or we still are in action items, and the next is um, the chair update. Uh, The only thing I just wanted to um, highlight is that we are seeing a huge increase in um, evictions at the uh, courthouse And I wanted to um, just highlight to folks that we have put it on the board. I mean, it is on our website, um, kind of the counts of notices that we are receiving. And so want to make sure that folks knew about that. I don't think we listed a a link to it in the agenda. Am I correct about that? I'm just not seeing it. You're correct. But um, our public information unit manager, Nathan Dahl, was planning to, I was planning to share that, the website, um, when we get to that information item, unless you'd like me to do it now. No, absolutely not. No, that, that's his providing us with context is what I was looking for. So perfect. And I now see that you're in the, the audience. So thanks for being here tonight. All right. So we will um, continue on the, um, just want to make sure I'm not having us go through. So B is the next one. So the next one is, you know, one of the highlights of the evening, uh, which is the, um, our budget and uh, staffing model and expenditure levels. Um, so I'm going to turn this over to the executive director. Thank you, 
Good evening, um, commissioners. I am not going to waste much time with this and just turn it right over to Leif Bursell, who has the presentation for the budget. So Leif, take it away. Is the green light on? Okay, let me turn that on. Oh, okay. Oh, there it goes. Okay. Good evening, commissioners. So Amy is going to put up a slide show and presentation that has been previously narrated. This is something we tried for the first time with the budget and personnel committee and it, it went pretty well. So, and then I and director Williams and the budget and personnel committee members will be available for questions. So Amy, when you're ready. Cross your fingers. <laughs> Good evening, commissioners and members of the community in attendance tonight. For this presentation, I'm going to go over the basics of the rent board's budget before presenting staff and the budget and personnel committee's fiscal year 2024 budget recommendation to the board. When reviewing the status of the board's budget, answers to the five following questions provide the foundation for making next fiscal year's budget recommendation. Question one is, how much money is the board starting with at the beginning of the fiscal year after all accounts are settled and all checks have cleared? Question two is, how much revenue is projected during the next fiscal year? How much money will the board receive from registration fees and for other services? Question three is, what cost increases are anticipated? Here we are talking about cost increases needed to continue providing existing and agreed upon services that the agency regularly provides. Question four, what new expenditures are required and or needed? These are another way our costs increase. And it's also where the board's budgetary decisions usually have the most impact. Question five, what is the board's target reserve level for the end of next fiscal year? Or how much money ideally should the board have left over for the following fiscal year? This is another area where the board has a decision to make. The reserve target determines if the board can spend some of the money it has in its reserve or if it has to use some of next fiscal year's revenue to replenish the reserve. These are foundational questions that staff and the budget and personnel committee ask when preparing the budget recommendation. I will go into each in more detail as the presentation continues. The first budget question is, how much money are we starting with? Luckily, in our case, the answer to this question is not zero. Since this is a fiscal year budget with fiscal year 2024 starting on July 1st of 2023, the answer to this question is the year end projections for this fiscal year, meaning what our budget looks like at the end of the day on June 30th, 2023 is what we'll start with for the next budget cycle. At the end of this fiscal year, the board should have around $1,264,000 in its uncommitted reserve. 
and $133,000 in its capital reserve. This means the board should start next fiscal year with just under $1.4 million in its bank account. This is the starting point for next year's budget. The next budget question is, how much money are we going to make next fiscal year? Or in budget terms, what is the board's projected revenue? This is calculated by taking the number of units that are required to register and multiplying that total by the registration fee amount. This is done separately for both fully covered and partially covered units since they have different fees. For the current fiscal year, fiscal year 2023, we have 19,600 units times a $250 fee, which is equal to $4.9 million in fully covered registration fee revenue. For Measure MM or partially covered units, in fiscal year 2023, we have 5,000 units times a $150 per unit fee. This equals 750,000 in revenue. For fiscal year 2023, in total, we have 24,600 units bringing in about $5.65 million in registration fees. Making these same calculations for fiscal year 2024 allow us to project revenue for next fiscal year. Again, we have 19,600 fully covered units. Multiplying those by the new $290 per unit fee equals $5.68 million. For partially covered units, we are increasing our target next year to 5,200 units. We feel this is a conservative increase given all the construction going on in Berkeley. 5,200 units times $178 per unit is $925,000. Now you can see how staff reached a projection of $6.6 million in registration revenue coming from these 24,800 units. This is the bulk of the board's annual revenue, but not all. Fiscal year 2024 revenue projections here are slightly higher because they also include registration fees from both fraternities and partially covered properties with only affordable, below market rate housing units, both of which pay a lower registration fee. Here we have penalty revenue projected at $250,000, fair chance ordinance implementation compensation from the city council at just over $40,000. And we also include $2,000 in miscellaneous fees. Total fiscal year 2024 revenue is projected at just under $7 million. Our third budget question is what costs are increasing? What are the cost increases needed to keep the lights on and to continue to provide services? These are for personnel and services that are set in place and are not negotiable. The first cost increases for next fiscal year are personnel costs, including a small cost of living increase and benefit increases, which total at $150,000. The next increase is for the establishment of the finance unit. While the positions for this unit were added to the staffing model this fiscal year, next fiscal year will be the first full year the board pays for the salary and benefits for these positions. And that's going to cost around $565,000 next year. The next cost increase is for building rent and the Berkeley School Board meeting room. 
This $20,000 increase is due to a small rent increase from our current office space and the payment for a full year of board meetings in the school board meeting room, which costs the agency $1,200 per meeting. The next increase is for the board stipend, which has a CPI increase that goes into effect in January and will increase costs by about $10,000. Finally, we have added $5,000 for possible small increases to our ongoing vendor contracts, which typically ask for cost of living increases every few years. In total, there are about $750,000 in increases the board must absorb next fiscal year. After establishing cost increases for existing expenses, the next budget question is, what new expenditures are needed or required? The biggest new expense plan for next fiscal year is for the office relocation. Known upfront costs include moving expenses, first month's rent, and a secured deposit of up to three months rent. Staff have included these costs in the budget proposal at about $200,000 with the biggest expense being for the security deposit. There are also several other potential costs related to the office relocation. These include costs for the architectural services required to plan office space tenant improvements, tenant improvement construction costs, the cost for installation of IT infrastructure, and potentially additional rent for our current office space. In the scenario that tenant improvement delays require us to spend more time at our current location, past our February 2024 lease expiration date. Since these costs are unknown at the moment, funding for them is proposed to be placed in the board's unallocated account. These costs are high in estimates and staff is hopeful that actual costs will come in lower. For example, we are advised to budget for a security deposit equal to three months rent but we are going to try to negotiate a secure deposit that is only equal to one month's rent. Just that change in itself could result in over $80,000 in savings. This slide goes over other new or proposed increases to expenditures for fiscal year 2024. 433,000 is the maximum expenditure estimated for the office relocation. Again, both the Budget and Personnel Committee and staff are hopeful the actual costs will come in lower. The next item is the digitization of property files. The property files are kept in a heavy-duty filing system that is secured to a concrete foundation. Moving this filing system to a new location would cost the agency about $20,000. Digitizing these records will save that expense and increase ease of access for both the public, staff, and commissioners. The third increased expenditure is $60,000 for staff and board trainings. The fourth is $40,000 towards increasing digital education. The fifth is to increase the travel budget to ensure there is funding available so staff and the board can attend conferences or trainings. The budget recommendation does not include any changes to the staffing model. Currently, the board staffing model has 27 full-time equivalent employees. Three positions are currently vacant. There is a vacant office specialist in the registration unit. Currently, we are in the hiring process for that position. The board approved the creation of a new assistant management analyst for the finance unit at its last meeting. 
Staff anticipate this position will be hired early in the first quarter of fiscal year 2024. Finally, the policy director position still needs to go through the review and approval process with the City of Berkeley's personnel board. To summarize, the Budget and Personnel Committee's budget recommendation on the expenditure or spending side. Proposed fiscal year 2024 recurring expenditures are at $7,026,110. Recurring expenditures are those that will continue in future years, such as for staff, the board, or ongoing contracts. $120,350 of expenditures would come from the board's capital reserve, half for the second and final development payment to 3DI, and half for the file digitization project. Again, the $433,000 proposed expenditure for the office relocation. The total spending level for all activities is $7,506,460, and that is the spending authority staff and the Budget and Personnel Committee recommend the board authorize for fiscal year 2024. The final budget question is, what reserve level will the board target for fiscal year 2024? This determines whether the board can use some of its reserve balance ideally for one-time expenditures, or if it has to dedicate some of its revenue to increasing the reserve. Recently, the board has set a reserve target of under 8% in order to avoid increasing the registration fee. Due to both increased revenue from partially covered units and salary savings, the board's reserve has never gone below the 16% target that the Budget and Personnel Committee recommended to the board in March. For fiscal year 2024, Staff and the Budget and Personnel Committee recommend that the board target a 12% reserve. This will allow the board to use some of its reserve to absorb one-time costs related to the office relocation. Again, we are hoping these costs will come in lower than the max allocation, and the reserve may not end up going to 12%, but both staff and the committee recommend that this extra money be made available if necessary. This next slide shows a snapshot of the board's budget. This differs from the budget spreadsheet in the board packet because it focuses on what money was received during this registration year. The highlighted number is the $775,000 of fiscal year 2023 registration revenue that the board received in fiscal year 2022. The green text shows where the board's reserve balance is projected to end the year at over $1.2 million and how the recommended budget and 12% reserve target could reduce the board's reserve to as low as $843,000. In summary, the Budget and Personnel Committee's fiscal year 2024 budget recommendation includes projected revenue of just under $7 million, recurring expenditures of just over $7 million, spending of $120,000 from the board's capital reserve, utilizing up to $420,000 from the board's uncommitted reserve, a total board spending authority of just over $7.5 million for fiscal year 2024. I hope this presentation was clear 
and gave everyone a good understanding of where the board's budget stands, as well as what is included in the Budget and Personnel Committee's Fiscal Year 2024 budget recommendation. Executive Director Williams, myself, and the members of the Budget and Personnel Committee are available if the board has any questions. Thank you. Thank you. So what I, I'd like to start um, by asking the chair of the uh, Budget and Personnel Committee with some opening remarks. Um, first, I would like to thank staff and our executive director for the presentation. This was pre presented to us in our last um, Budget and Personnel meeting. It was very informative. Um, dealing with all the numbers, everything was broken down where we could understand it. Um, and I think that after we had discussion, we it we wanted to recommend this budget, and we want to commend our budget our um, staff on the the job they did. And hopefully, we can answer questions as a committee. Um, and if we can't, we do have our executive director and leave here to answer questions. Great. Um, I just I guess I want to look to. Uh, other folks on the committee, um, Vice Chair Alpert. Yeah, I want to um, echo the budget uh, chair and just say first, thank you so much to Executive Director Shauna Williams and Finance Director Shamika Cole, and especially uh, Leif Purcell for that excellent, well, all the work on the budget, but also that excellent presentation. Um, I know I was definitely, um, you know, this is my first year on the budget committee, and I was worried about the technical details of you know, weighing in on the budget, and you made it very, very easy. Uh, and I definitely feel like at the end of that committee presentation, I had uh, a much better understanding of the budget and was very confident in the recommendation we made. And so, um, you know, I think one of the important things to keep in mind is that our we we practice small c conservative budgeting. You know, I think we are very safe in our assumptions. So those numbers we saw around spending from the reserve are maximums, and I think it's very likely we'll end the year having spent less than that out of the reserve. And that 12% is a low watermark um, that we don't, you know, we're comfortable hitting, but we think we'll probably come in higher than that. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention Shamika's calls work. Um, so thank you as well. Uh, Commissioner Mazzella, did you want to share anything? I'll just say really deal to what my colleagues have said. Um, I felt the presentation the budget committee was as easy as any budget presentation I've ever seen to understand. So um, I think it's reasonable. I think as Sully has said, um, the assumptions are conservative. And I think ultimately um, it's a budget that fulfills our duty to the city of decisions of Berkeley and fulfills really a, our hope for a new improved location for, for the board. So looking forward to it. Great. Any other um, comments or questions from others on the, the board? Yes, um, Commissioner Martinek. Uh, I'm sorry, I apologize in advance. Accounting is my least favorite uh, activity ever. Uh, but just from the very basic numbers, it appears that we are dipping into reserves quite a bit over over the budget. And I understand that 
it's a conservative <clears throat> estimate on the moving costs, but it still makes me nervous. Uh, am I overreacting? Yeah, I mean, I think it's good to be cautious. Um, what we saw from, you know, this is a one-time cost. So one of the things that we discussed in the budget committee is that the, the costs of the move are really, they're not going to happen frequently. So we're comfortable, to, you know, expending out of reserves, both because it's a one-time cost and because, you know, as we'll discuss in a, a shortly about the, uh, with the item about the lease, um, you know, we're still negotiating it. And so we're hoping that um, those costs will come down uh, and then we can keep some of that money in the reserve. Um, but I think it's good to be cautious and I'm very comfortable. And if, if staff want to add anything on that. Um, I also think that it's important to um, remember for reserve purposes that that's what happens with reserves. Um, reserves are often there for you, not necessarily as a routine practice to dip into the reserve, but the way that our budget cycle goes for when we take in fees, that we also replenish how we, our deficit through the reserve process. So ultimately our policy is to get to the 16% reserve, but we will have fluctuations through the year, the way we bring in revenue and the way we have our expenditures through the reserve process. So again, yes, agreeing with Sully, I understand your caution, um, but not to be nervous about it. Oh, and one thing I would just add, one of the items we have on the agenda for a future budget committee meeting is uh, reserve policies. So we've asked staff to go out and look at similar um, agencies that are kind of similar in size and scope and in revenue models to what we do. And so that we can get a more formal budget reserve policies, both for our uncommitted reserve and our capital reserve. That's a future agenda item for us. Thank you both for explaining these things. I, as, as I said, accounting, not my forte. Um, I also just to add in that um, is that I think it's important that what we're talking about is what are the percentages. It's not so much that it's like a savings account that we're we're rating, but that what's what's common is to have a certain percentage, and that we're well within you know best practices amount. Um, Commissioner Marrero. Thank you, Chair. I have a couple questions, but I'll try to make it brief. My understanding is that the capital reserve is $133,513. Is that correct? So is all of that um, going to be put into that 400000 bucket? Or what part of that capital reserve would be spent? The capital reserve is like a special projects. So that is for the scanning. That's for the digitization project. So that is not going to be completely delineated. So that will never be down to zero because that is specifically delineated for our special projects. So it, it will not be 100% expended. Okay, cool. Thank you. The other question I had is related to professional development. Mm -hmm. Where in the ledger can I find professional development for staff? So in the... Staff, staff and budget training. So we don't put in this light item. Hold on, to make sure that I don't know that you have. Hold 
registration fees and training. Forty forty dash sixty three. Okay. So that's two for next year. You have the same allocation, right? Of twelve thousand. Is that the correct line? My eyes hold on. Okay. Yes, the proposed thirteen thousand. Okay, so your proposed is 13 and your projected is 12. I'm asking this question because I know that a focus area was to do work with the staff around culture building. Mm -hmm. And in the past, I believe you guys have done that. So just thinking about your FTE expansion to 27 and your allocation, do you feel that that allocation is enough for the amount of growth you guys are going to go through? There's more dedicated leaf. Am I missing? Yeah, there's, I more, there's more of a budget for training yeah. dedicated to this. This is not inclusive of our full training budget. So that line item that director Williams was referring to that has been had a standard allocation of 10,000 for professional development. That's been ongoing for the past five plus years. Um, the, in the special projects line item and highlighted in the budget presentation was an additional $50,000, which goes to the cultural um, re retreat type training uh, and other trainings that have been mentioned. So total, there's the 10,000, which is regular recurring expenditure, plus an extra $50,000 from the special projects, which is down at the bottom of the spreadsheet which totals $277,000. So that's 50,000 in there as well. Okay, I'm looking at, I actually don't know what page this is, but it's um, Fund 40, 440. It's uh, your resource codes and, and the descriptions, and I didn't see that. Yeah, so that's not highlighted. So it is the training 4063, there's 10,000 there. And if you go down to the bottom, under the expenditure subtotal, you'll see capital reserve. So that's actually, it's not, it's coming in that capital reserve special projects line item. Oh, I see. Okay, that's why I didn't see it. Thank you. So then your travel of 10,000, do you feel your travel is accommodating to your professional development needs on the 27 FTE? For sure, based off okay. of trend, yes. Okay. And that's an increase of 10,000. 10, that's not a total. total. What's the total? Uh, I'd have to add it up. Okay, thank you. So, but that would be spread across if you're looking at the line items. Um, the transportation line item, which is four thousand, the um, the meals and lodging, which is seven thousand. So I, I guess it's actually, and there's one more. Oh, registration. So the other three thousand in the forty six three three is for registration for trainings. So it's three plus seven plus four, so fourteen thousand. Okay. So my last question is about. Um, you're, yeah, you are definitely dipping into your reserve. And I actually think as someone who's done capital improvements, you're being very modest, um, just saying. Mm -hmm. So I think that it is, it does look like a big dip down, but I wanna encourage you to even think wider because we have the unknowns in the facility and the, some of those unknowns could actually be quite expensive. 
de depending on when they have been, you know, when there was an intervention. Mm -hmm. So it's just something I'm letting you know about because I built many buildings in my career and I thought they would come in at a couple million and they became double digits. So just friendly, um, friendly reminder. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I would like for all the other commissioners to note that I have built many buildings in my life working for the Housing Commission for 15 years, and they always come over too. So I want you all to remember that Commissioner Marrero said that. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, Commissioner Kelly? I wish we built buildings. That would be lovely. Mm -hmm. I'd love to have just direct social housing. Um, I'm glad to see the staff development just as a side on that. I really noticed during COVID, so many institutions were providing remote professional development of things that used to only be in person. And I really hope that we'll pay attention to that trend because for some staff members that might be more accessible. It was really exciting to see a lot of like once a week, one or two hour webinar type format stuff that wasn't necessarily a conference that people created. And some of that's not going away. Um, it seemed that I, I did a couple things myself that were a lot more accessible than trying to find, um, you know, the ability and time to travel and a lot of things that were only in-person courses were suddenly available online. I think it's a really nice trend, but I'm glad to see we're putting our money where our mouth is. And I like that we're separating out individual professional development from team training. And there's a lot of value in training our team together. And I'm glad that the culture training is continuing. And I think that those both serve very different purposes. Um, I'm a little nervous about the reserve being lower, but our funding structure is so different than the traditional purpose of a reserve is not only for unexpected, unexpected costs, it's for an unexpected decrease in revenue. If the economy goes bad and people stop donating to nonprofit, right? Our fees are so proportional to rental units, which is a much more stable number. So I'm, I'm comfortable with it where it is. Um, I hope we can try to get that back up. I know we may have to adjust the fee in the future for other anticipated costs. Um, we might want to consider if it's possible to amortize some of the one-time things into next year's budget too, if that's possible. But I think it's a fine fine level given, um, given how our agency is funded. Um, the MM projection is really helpful to see, and I'm hopeful that we'll see even more than that. I didn't Notice in the breakdown that might have been there. Do we have an estimate on how many FTE equivalents are being used in this projected budget towards MN specifically? Can you repeat the question? How many FTEs that are what? Response MM enforcement and Overall, do we have an estimate of how many FTE equivalents that is taking? We don't. I can get, let's take a look at that okay. and get back, get, get back. I know people don't that. only work on one or the other. It's mm -hmm. just when people ask us, personnel costs went up, it's like we have a whole new program and it would be helpful to just have that breakdown at some point if we yeah. can. Let me get that information for you. Thank you. Um, and then in terms of you know what, that's not necessary. I think that will be covered later in a different item. Um, yeah, no, thank you, great budget. Yes, go ahead. Which go ahead. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, um, 
Stefan. Well, uh, thank you so much for that uh, report. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was you know, really fascinating to read. Um, I, I, I'll just, you know, echo some of the concerns um, around the um, reserves because, I mean, but but also with the caveat that, yeah, I mean, it looks like we're at a deficit of, uh, we're running a deficit of, you know, around 540,000. But, you know, I, I do appreciate how our, um, the way it's presented, we're like anticipating the lowest possible um, revenue. Hopefully it'll likely be higher with um, lots of new uh, Measure MM units coming online over the next year. And how we and you know we're anticipating the highest possible expenditures, you know, but which we hope will end up being less, uh, you know, hopefully the and also you know the one-time expenditure of the um, office um, moving, which hopefully will be less than the four hundred thirty-three thousand that was the maximum ant anticipated. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I also think you know, looking at the economy, um, you know, we, we don't know what the future is going to be. We know that interest rates are very high and may continue to increase. Although I don't anticipate that would really have an impact on 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 the way that you know we operate and, and our budget. Um, so overall, I'm, I'm I'm pleased, and I also think that you know, now that we've been you know establishing um, a new uh, finance unit, I think you know going forward we'll be able to improve upon our. Um, you know, fiscal responsibility and transparency. So um, great reports and, um, and good work. Thanks. All right. Anyone else want to go ahead and... Yes, oh. uh, Commissioner Kelly. I think I was the next chair, but I'll go after. Oh, Commissioner Marrero. I had a question about legal services, legal expenses, I guess. Um, legal expenses are going from 2.4 to 0.3. That seems to be a super duper drop. So uh, is that because of, I'm trying to understand the drop. <laughs> yeah. So we have um, some contracts with our outside counsel um, firms that we've had for a couple of years that are coming to a close. Um, the board has traditionally um, used that as more of a fluid account um, and as needed. So that haven't necessarily put um, stocked it um, full at the beginning because we don't really know what the year will bring as far as any sort of litigation or any other sort of outside counsel support that we might need. So for the last year, you started at 0.3 as well, where you see 2.4 on your graph for 22-23. Did you start at 0.3 as well? And then you went up to that percentage? Go ahead. So if you refer back to the um, spreadsheet, you can look at the legal services and how this um, happens in real time. So for Fiscal year 2022, the the adopted was 20,000, and then actual was 41, and then for 2023, um, 85. Actual so far three quarters was 50, but 160 is projected. So basically, cases came up in the middle of the year, so we had to increase that amount. Um, and there's some years where we don't have to. So it just depends on, as Matt said, the legal landscape. So when you need to increase it, where are you getting the, that funding from? If it's not already 
projected? I mean, that would depend on a year by year basis, but if there's something that comes in under, so this year, if, you know, moving expenses or the security deposit isn't as high as we budget for, there'd be extra money in that budget code or an unallocated that could be moved towards legal expenses. So it just depends on what happens throughout the year where there's extra money. If everything was, there was no extra money, then uh, staff would have, the executive director would have to come back to the board to ask for an increase to the spending authority. Okay. Okay. One of the things I just want to add for context is that, um, you know, over the last few years, we are, one of our legal counsel had to cover as executive director. And so that was a reason that we needed to, um, we didn't have an executive director salary we were paying, but we did have to hire outside counsel to provide, you know, to kind of replace that. And then we have had folks on um, parental leave and so, and positions open. So I think that in the end, it's it's been the same, but because it's such a skill, you know, it, it's not just anybody in the organization can help cover it. Um, it's got, it's something where we, you know, you have to to bring in outside counsel to address. Thank you for that. Uh, Commissioner Kelly, I think you were up and then was there anybody else who planned? Just so everybody knows, I'm essentially going by if you're raising your hand physically. Um, I feel like I can, I can see everybody on the dais. So, uh, well, Commissioner Kelly, you want to jump in? Yeah, my question may not be budget related. And if not, it can be answered later. But you mentioned that our new finance position is going through the process of being approved by the personnel board and that's the policy director policy right the policy director sorry i, I just are all of our new positions go before the city of birth so they do not specific about this position there's no classification for it thank you it's so it's not it's the classification needs to be created for it correct that makes perfect sense thank you so much Great, I'm not seeing any of their hands raised. Um, any more questions? Um, are we ready for motions? Oh, Commissioner, um, <laughs> uh, Commissioner Walker. Um, yes, I would like to make a motion that we adopt resolution 2313, approving the fiscal year 2023-2024 line item budget staffing model. Great. Thank you. Can I get a second? I will second. Great. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Alpert or Vice Chair. It's ready for roll call? Yes, please. Alpert? Aye. Elkstrand? Yes. Johnson? Yes. Kelly? Yes. Marrero? Yes. Martinak? Yes. Mizell? Yes. Walker? Yes. Simon Weisberg? Yes. Motion carries unanimously. Great. Well, thank you, staff. Um, obviously, this is one of the biggest parts of our um, the work we all do. Um, so we will now uh, continue on. Um, the next item, I'm just skipping through the ones that we have removed already. Uh, EFG, I think we would be at H. Um, so now we are going to uh, resolution 2319. Um, and then we will be moving to 2320, which are similar. Um, 
and Okay, so I just wanted just to give context that, um, as folks recall, you know, most of our staff are, you know, part of unions and their salary increases are all negotiated through those contracts. Um, executive staff, such as our executive director and our general counsel, obviously are not um, part of those unions. And so they're... Um, you know, terms of their employment are basically laid out in the contracts that we negotiated with them. They both have uh, contracts that say that they go up with um, the the same cost of increase that the rest of the um, the union staff uh, receive. But to do that, it doesn't just happen magically. We have to take action. Um, but essentially, we are complying with um, with their contracts. So um, to that extent, um, if, if there are any, does anybody have any questions or comments, uh, Commissioner Johnson? I was just gonna make the motion, um, just move along. Um, right, so, all right. So just to one of these things that we have to be very um, specific. So um, you're making the motion um, and uh, Commissioner, Vice Chair Alpert, you are seconding it. I have a oh, question, sorry, Commissioner Kelly. Did you have a question or? I do. The chair, when you were speaking and introducing the item, you said that our executive staff gets an increase because they're not unionized, which makes perfect sense. But you said it's the same amount as our union staff has negotiated. So is that it's the same? It's um the same CPI increase. It's this the same percentage. So the, the same item that says it's a one percent increase. Is our union CPI this year also only 1%? Mm, yeah. It's higher. So it's not the same? No. The, um, so oh, the, increases, the increases are the um, in conformance with uh, unemployed, um, or I, rather unrepresented uh, no, I understand why unit Z1 and Z9. And those are consistent with what other uh, city employees are getting this year. That's the COLA is 1%, which is consistent across the board with what other um, city employees are getting. So it's not the same as our unionized employees are getting. It's the same as other unrepresented employees in the city of Berkeley are getting. Correct. I just want to be clear that we're not only giving our SEIU staff a 1% COLA when it's supposed to be much higher than that. Well, much. So, well, three times that. So, okay, thank you. Um, thank you for clarifying that. I do apologize for my misunderstanding. Um, all right. Well, very important um, clarification. So, um, is there someone seconding the motion? Uh, Commissioner Marrero or with Commissioner Walker, did you also have your hand up? It looked like you had it first. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just have a question okay. before you. Okay. If, if that's okay. I, so 1% actually feels very low to me for an executive director increase of an agency this size. Is that non-negotiable or? It's pursuant to their contract, which is not in, we're not in, a, the, we don't do a, um, 
an evaluation-based increase. It's, it's based on their contract. It's already laid out. Okay, so it can't go any higher at all? I don't think it would be appropriate. It would be suddenly in the middle of a con That's not the contract we negotiated. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Are you saying that the contract with the executive director is negotiated for 1%? It, it says the language is, is that it matches the other unrepresented people of the, I mean, there's like a formula within their contracts that say okay. how they go in between because we're not like, you know, they're, their contracts last for a certain amount of time. And at that point, after we've done an evaluation, then we negotiate a new set of contracts. So basically we're applying a formula. Uh -huh. right now. I, I, I didn't see the contract in here in the packet and it's not, correct? Um, correct, it's not in there, but it is, it's that available. Is correct. We don't just make, yeah. It was voted on when we when it was negotiated and voted on. It's available for inspection if you'd like, okay. um, whenever you'd Thank like you. to see it. Yeah, I, I think that's, yeah, I, I, it's very uh, modest increase. Thank you. You may, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's important to know, though, that we are, that be, as, they, as this is government and the government, you know, we have, um, you know, we ensure that salaries are similar based on the number of people they're supervising. And we've already kind of ensured that those amounts happen. So maybe we can get you some context on that. Yeah, I mean, I'll see the contract, I know, but 27 FTEs is, um, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm interested in seeing the contract. Thank you. Okay. Um, Commissioner Walker? I would like to second Commissioner Johnson's motion. Great. Um, a motion has been made and second regarding the modification of an existing employment agreement with Deshauna Williams, executive director of the Berkeley Rent Stabilization Board by adopting resolution 2319, pursuant to government code 54953C. A summary of compensation must be orally reported prior to taking final action. The proposed modification adjusts the executive director monthly base salary of $21,275.80 to $21,488.48 um, elective during the pay cycle beginning in July of 2023, when the cost of living salary increase for unrepresented employees of Unit Z1 is implemented. This salary adjustment is made pursuant to Section 3 of Ms. Williams' existing employment agreement. All other terms of the employment agreement will remain the same. All right, so we're going to now move on to the next item, which is the contract for our general counsel. You need to take a roll call vote. Oh, my gosh. No, I'm just going to read the things. I was so concerned about reading the right um, the verbiage. Sorry about that. Uh, can we do a roll call vote, please? Alpert? Aye. Alex Trent? Yes. Johnson? Yes. Kelly? Yes. Marrero? Yes. Martinak? Yes. Mizell? Yes. Walker? Yes. Simon Weisberg? Yes. Motion carries unanimously. Great, thank you. Um, we are now moving on to item I, which is um, to adopt the resolution 2320, adjusting general counsel Matt Brown's salary according to the terms of his existing employment agreement. All right, so essentially same situation. Um, 
I take questions or motions. Uh, Commissioner Johnson. I'd like to move the item. Thank you. Seconds. Can I get a second? Seconds. Thank you. Um, any other questions or comments before we take a, we move the item and take a roll call. Okay, I'm not seeing any hands raised. So I'm going to read the necessary language and then we will vote. A motion has been made and seconded regarding the modification of the existing employment agreement with Matt Brown, General Counsel of the Berkeley Rent Stabilization Board by adopting resolution 2320. Pursuant to government code 54953C, a summary of compensation must be orally reported prior to taking final action. The proposed modification adjusts the general counsel's monthly base salary of 19,592.21 to 19,788, effective during the pay cycle beginning in July of 2023, when the cost of living salary increase for unrepresented employees of Unit Z9 is implemented. This salary adjustment is made pursuant to Section 3 of Mr. Brown's existing employment agreement, all other terms of the employment agreement will remain the same. We can do a roll call. Albert? Aye. Alexstrand? Yes. Johnson? Yes. Kelly? Yes. Marrero? Yes. Martinak? Yes. Mizell? Yes. Walker? Yes. Simon Weisberg? Yes. Motion carries unanimously. Great. And I am confirming we don't actually read the resolution aloud. Is that correct, um, General Counsel? It will be made a part of the minutes, um, so you don't need to um, uh, read it aloud. Great. All right. So we are now, um, we've already covered J and K. Um, oh, no. no, we need to do J. Yes. So we are on to J, which is the discussion and possible action to adopt resolution 2321 to authorize the executive director to sign a new lease agreement for rent board office space at 2020 Center Street. Um, executive Director Brown, uh, except <laughs> Executive Director Williams, do you have anything you want to um, share uh, around the new the new property before we we discuss this? Just want to clarify the. Um, address is 2000 Center, not 2020. <laughs> Did I say 2020? Yeah, I just don't. Well, want it's to it's in the packet as 2020. Sarah. It might be a bar. I just want right. to make sure that that's not where we're moving. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. Um, anything else that um, any any questions from commissioners? Chair, just a point of procedure, this particular resolution should be read into the record because it was not okay. available for inspection prior to the, um, um, uh, rather, during the printing of the board packet. Okay, so um, in light of the, would you go ahead and read that for us? Because I don't have, I just don't want to spend, unless you're going to really move it as I read it on the screen. I'm happy to if you'd like. Yeah, I think that would be most efficient. Okay. Uh, this is, I, I have it on my screen, Amy, so you, you can just move it down as you wish. Um, uh, this is resolution 2321 authorizing the executive director to enter into the, and execute a 10 year lease with 2000 Center Street LLC for office space at 2000 Center Street in Berkeley. Be it resolved by this rent stabilization board of the city of Berkeley as follows. 
whereas the current lease for rent stabilization program office space at 2001 Center Street expires on February 28th, 2024, and whereas the board has expressed a desire for staff to have more office space, given there are now more employees than there were when the lease was signed for the current office space, and whereas the board staff have expressed a strong desire to move to office space where all employees are able to occupy the same floor, and whereas the board has the opportunity to rent a single floor of office space at 2000 Center Street with a significant increase in square footage directly across the street from the current office, and whereas the landlord at 2000 Center Street has agreed to make substantial improvements to the space so it is more suitable to board staff's needs, and whereas the rent per square foot of office space is significantly cheaper than the price the board is currently paying, and whereas the board wishes staff to relocate to the office space at 2000 Center Street. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the executive director is authorized to enter into a 10-year lease agreement with 2000 Center Street LLC to rent 12,609 square feet of office space at 2000 Center Street with the following terms. The move-in date, March 1, 2024, rent $3.10 a square foot per month. Rent abatement, the first seven months of rent shall be abated. Annual adjustments, the rent shall increase every March by 3% per annum. And this will be dated June 15th, 2023. Great, thank you. All right, um, I believe we have not moved the item yet. Correct. Um, would anyone like to make a motion? Uh, Commissioner Amarero? A motion, thank you. Thank you. A second? Uh, Commissioner Rutnack? Great. Um, can we go ahead and have roll call? Unless there's any questions anyone has before we vote. I'm not seeing any hands raised, so if we can go ahead and do that. So this is to adopt Resolution 2321 as read aloud into the record. Albert? Aye. Elkstrand? Yes. Johnson? Yes. Kelly? Yes. Marrero? Yes. Martinak? Yes. Mizell? Yes. Walker? Yes. Simon Weisberg? Yes. Motion carries unanimously. Great. All right. We are moving along. And we are now on to information, announcements, and articles. And just to, um, we're now on to eviction moratorium outreach update, um, if we could have our public information unit manager. Right, and Amy, if you could uh, share the screen in a moment here. Good evening, um, Rent Board Commissioners. I'm Nathan Dahl, the manager of the information unit. And we're here uh, in June to give you the second month update of our transition period of the eviction moratorium. Um, since our last meeting and at the direction of the board, we have created a publicly accessible space for anyone to view the data related to evictions or notices of evictions that we've received at the rent board um, since the start of the transition period. So we'll start with that if um, board secretary can share the screen. So this is our web page that I hope you are all familiar with. This is the hub of where we um, store information related to the eviction moratorium and updates as needed uh, per council action and changes to the policies. 
And you'll see here right at the top under the main blue box there, we now have a hyperlink to a spreadsheet that has had some personal identifying information redacted. Um, but the spreadsheet uh, details all of the eviction notices we have received since May 1st, 2023. It will be updated every Friday. So you can check this list tomorrow. You'll actually see um, quite a few new eviction notices that we received today. Um, but this is where it lives. So at any time, anyone on the board can go to this site and view the information. We have the street name, but not the identifying address number of the property. We obviously redacted the tenant name and landlord name or property manager, whoever served the eviction notice, that information has been redacted. But we do have the column of when the notice was received by the rent board, when we issued our template letter to the tenant and um, entity issuing the eviction notice, basically acknowledging receipt and providing important information and resources to the tenant um, that has received the eviction notice. And then you'll see here, we added this column of when the tenancy started. So this was of interest of the board to see what type of folks are, are you know, now experiencing evictions. And you'll, you'll see in that um, fourth column over that, uh, I haven't crunched the numbers exactly, but most of these tenancies are rather newer tenancies of a year or two or so. Um, there's only a handful of longer term tenancies. Um, and this is, you know, obviously a trend will continue to follow throughout the eviction moratorium transition period. And then certainly September 1st, it's, it's an interesting data point, but we did add that for uh, um, informational purposes. Some of the fields are blank with no data, and that could specify several different things. If it is a um, exempt unit, right, that is not subject to rent control, um, and other registration requirements for the rent board, we would still receive eviction notices, but we might not have data on the tenancy start date for that particular unit. So that could be the case. And there are several eviction notices that have come in that we do not have registered at all um, and that appear to require registration. So that in, a, in and of itself could be a legal defense for the tenant. Um, and these are, these are the type of things we prompt the tenant to explore in our notification letter that we we send out when we receive copies of these, these eviction notices. So this is where the spreadsheet is. You can check back every Friday um, if you're interested in seeing uh, what has changed week to week. Um, so with that, I do want to just briefly report that since, since our last meeting, um, the number of eviction notices we re we've received has has doubled. Um, I think we were at mid twenties or high twenties last month, and we we did hit fifty notices today. There were actually twelve notices that came in today that we're, we're adding to the spreadsheet, and we can expect I think month to month um, around the tenth or the fifteenth, as is today of the month, for us to get this influx of notices. Right, so. When the rent is due on the 1st, or sometimes there's a grace period till the 5th, let's say, the landlord has 10 days to submit a copy of the rent or of the eviction notice issued to the tenant to the rent board. So any rent that was due and not paid June 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, as soon as the landlord deems it late, they could issue a uh, eviction notice, three-day pay or quit, and then submit a copy to the rent board, which we can receive up to 10 days later. So we're going to see an influx of these notices, you know, uh, around the 10th of each month, 10th to 15th, I think. 
Um, so that is a brief update just on where we're at with the eviction notice numbers. We are in the process of um, designing and finalizing our second mailing to the to the community. So this is a mailing that will go out to all um, rental unit households and landlord associated landlord addresses. This mailing um, is a postcard style. It's not a letter. Our first our first mailing was a letter. This will be a postcard that will be a bit more punchy and um, really uh, focus in on what some of the main themes or information that folks should know, which is primarily that, um, you know, there are rent relief funds available. If folks owe money, they should explore um, obtaining rent relief. And um, again, redirecting folks back to our website for specifics on what type of evictions are allowed and um, the processes related to evictions and again, resources that might be available to help people maintain their housing. So um, with that, I'm happy to answer any questions or um, take any feedback you all might have. Uh, so, yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, any questions? Yes. Uh, Commissioner Marcel. Yeah. Thank, thank you for the update. Just wanted to ask um, if the new mailer would include I guess it might be the first reading just passed. We might have to wait for the second reading. I know City Council passed the changes, and I think the four by four for their work um, to the COVID, um, I guess the COVID moratorium ordinance, and I think those changes were pretty, you know, at least fairly significant in terms of their impacts on tenants who are potentially being evicted during the transition period. Uh, so yeah, just if there would be any information that would be included of those, um, you know, those important changes. So not in this next mailing, because the council still has to do a second reading of that ordinance, which will probably be after we finalize production. Um, and then um, the ordinance you know, becomes effective 30 days after the second reading. So the timing is a little tricky in that if and when the council does pass the second reading, those changes will become effective, you know, about a month after the mail, the second postcard mailing will go out. I think in our third mailing, which we are, you know, we'll then prepare for, um, you know, mid mid August, early to mid August, we could include information about those changes. Um, but but generally, our strategy has been to redirect folks who may be facing an eviction or be within that realm back to the website, which is much much easier for us to update um, when things do become effective. And um, that's generally our approach is to try to redirect folks to the website for the most up-to-date information. But we'll certainly consider, um, you know, if we should highlight that change um, if and when the council does finalize that action. So, yeah, they did have the first reading on Tuesday night, um, which essentially changes two things about the eviction moratorium. It would change the uh, expiration date or the final date of when a tenant can submit their their declaration or documentation of COVID-related impact and inability to pay rent. The current ordinance requires that to be submitted by the expiration of the three-day notice, which is a very fast timeline. Um, the revised language would allow that documentation to be served or uh, given to the landlord uh, up to five days before the unlawful detainer lawsuit um, in court, which is a much longer period of time. I think it, I think the language says 45 days or five days before the eviction lawsuit. And then the second part of the changes would um, change the 
obligation, and please, Council Brown, reword this if I don't get it correct, but essentially the ordinance currently requires all rent due during the transition period, May, June, July, and August, to be paid in full to the landlord by September 1st, or the, the tenant is vulnerable to an eviction and can be evicted for those monies owed during the transition period. The proposed amendment would make the transition period rent obligations similar or really the same as rent obligations to the covered period, which is that you can you still owe the money but cannot be evicted for monies owed if you have supplied a, a COVID-related reason for inability to pay rent. So um, those are the two changes that you know, council discussed and passed the first reading for on Tuesday. And we will certainly wait and see um, what they do with the second reading before we start to broadly try to communicate that information, change the website, potentially send out another email blast or um, other modes of communication that are, are quick and, and easy for us to do. Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much for that response. I just want to say really briefly, and I think that timeline gives us, you know, there's an issue in terms of not being at the second, but the third mailer, I think, answers my question. And also, I just think the timeline makes very clear that you know, we as the board and our staff, I think, have plenty of time to, you know, update and, and make sure people are abreast on this change. I know there are some concerns at, at council about, you know, making this change and whether landlords would have time to know about it. I think that timeline tells us we have plenty of time to make sure people can know about it. So, yeah, thank you so much for your work and, and the update. Um, I just want to clarify that it's five days before trial, and frankly, I think it's I'm con again concerned and I think it's problematic and I I think it's actually kind of embarrassing um, that our you know city attorney came up with a date that is ever changing for those people who've done eviction defense, which he has. So I'm very confused. <laughs> but um, you know, the date of trial can change many times. Um so it's yeah, I I'm not sure why, you know, and I had shared um with with the mayor, um, you know, that that didn't make any sense, but the city attorney, Brandaro, insisted. So I, I don't even know what to say, but I think it's, um, I mean, I guess it's better than the initial five days that people were being, or the three days that they were being given. Um, but I feel like this is kind of why the rent program needs to expand to have more, um, you know, powers over these different kinds of issues because. This is really, really frustrating um, to have. I know for practitioners, this is just kind of a silly, you know, it's, it's. I don't know how to say it. Like I've had cases that the trial date has changed 10 times, um, you know, uh, to tie it to a discovery, which has to be done by five days, it seems silly. Um, but I do appreciate that they've changed it to, you know, that made some other clarifications, which were important. Um, any other questions or, or comments on the numbers? Yep. Uh, Stefan, you want to go? Yeah. Um, just to um, provide a little bit more context on the timeline. Um, so council is scheduled to vote on the second reading at its June 27th meeting, which means uh, assuming that um, it, it, it passes, um, that means that the ordinance will go into effect um, around um, July 27th. Um, so I suppose my question would be, do, do we expect the third mailer to come out uh, around that time, maybe early August? Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Our, our 
our timeline at the moment is to issue the third mailing early August that would essentially give the final warning that the eviction moratorium is ending. Things will return to status quo. Um, I think it may be relevant to include, and I've been working on frequently asked questions or things that aren't clarified in the ordinances that have come up. And a lot of these questions we actually don't know the answer to because we don't know how the courts are going to handle the cases. But procedurally and time timeline-wise, um, informing landlords and tenants of particularly, you know, issues of importance like the changes could certainly be something we put in there. Um, we're still working on the strategy and kind of layout of what the third mailing may look like, but it, I think the timing would work for us to highlight that in that, that um, letter. Um, if the council is going to, if they do in fact adopt the second reading and don't make further changes and then have to do a, a later rating, I think that timeline could work. Um, any other questions or comments? Obviously, it's it's really troubling to have so many evictions. Um, you know, just <laughs> I guess fingers crossed that our the you know our service providers are are able to to handle these. Um, I know that there was one that was mostly that seemed to be from one of the one building. I just wondered if we had any updates on that. The, the the one building that had numerous evictions? Yeah, I think it was maybe Delaware. I may be wrong about Yeah, they actually filed several more today. Um, so that same property filed an additional five eviction notices today um, for units at that property that I haven't I haven't seen them directly yet, but I, I presume that they are for non-payment of rent, of June rent. Um, and and the ones we already have are for... Yet. Oh, I'm sorry? No, no, no. The the prior ones were also non-payment, right? Right. And and I will for tomorrow's update to the public site. Um, I don't have the data here, but we'll include the tenancy when the tenancy started um, for these five additional ones for this property. But the the first seven or so for this property um, were tenants that had been there about a year or two. So not exactly sure what is going on at this property. Um, but there seems to be a, I don't know if it's a coordinated effort or just a trend that folks at this property have not been paying rent. Um, as far as I know, we don't have any petitions or other um, procedural items before the rent board related to um, you know, habitability issues, or it's, it's just not quite clear why um, these folks are not paying rent or why the, the owner's issuing eviction notices. And, and really we don't, our role at the rent board isn't to delve too far into that um, unless, you know, we see some trends or things that are of concern, or we see letters that we believe are misleading from eviction notices that are misleading or um, inappropriate from the landlord. Um, but again, most, most, most of the work that we do is just tracking the notices, informing the, the landlords and tenants of the process and re resources available. And then they would connect with EDC or EBCLC or other legal representation to help prepare their defense against the eviction and find any procedural errors or, uh, other defense mechanisms, um, against the eviction, um, in an effort to maintain their housing. So I, 
we, we're going to learn more as, as this all unfolds and yes, happy to bring back as much information as we can. And if there's interest in the board um, and if authorized by my boss, Director Williams, we can try to delve a little deeper into, you know, into these trends where we think there could be an issue or just want to know more about what's going on there. We could um, potentially do that. But as a general practice, we, a day-to-day -day practice, we don't delve too far into any eviction notice or, um, you know, those type of trends. But I, I will say that, yes, for this particular property, there's been, I think, 13 or 14 of our 50 eviction notices have been at this one property. Um, it does seem like we should, I don't know, doing some cursory, it does seem like, you know, something we should question. And then I also, I think the for the longer term tenants, I just want to, you know, if there's any particular outreach we can do. Um, I also wonder if we have checked in with any of the service providers to get a sense of how, you know, things are going. I wonder if our general counsel or would can reach out to them or I'm not sure how what would be appropriate. We, we'd be happy to um, call the uh, eviction defense service providers and provide a report um, um, at the next meeting. Great. I mean, I would like to make sure they know about these addresses as well. Yes, we'll give them a call. Great. I wonder if it's possible that there's like an organized effort to withhold a rent as a result of conditions or something at the property. Uh, I don't know how likely that would be, but I'm just curious and speculating maybe too much. Yeah, I, I don't know um, specifically. Um, I believe I did look up this address and we have had counseling cases um, associated with the address recently, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll talk to uh, Matt and Shauna about it and see what information we can gather and, and give to the board about trends we're seeing. But I, yeah, we, we don't necessarily, we haven't heard or there hasn't been, you know, a group at the board meeting or anything, you know, stating why they're not paying rent or, or advocating for something it just appears that they haven't been paying rent and have uh, received eviction notices there have been i know at this property there have been some concerns around the property management there were some questions um in in at least one counseling call that i was personally a part of um relating to uh habitability and laundry room access i believe at this property but um it's not something we don't advise counselors do not advise to not pay rent ever um, and instead, we would counsel tenants to follow a process for a rent reduction petition or other means if they if they believe they are due one. So it's certainly not something we would advise or encourage, and it's not um, uh, not a good practice to maintain your housing and reduce your vulnerability to eviction. So, um, you know, again, these these are uh, relatively short term tenancies. I'm not sure if this is like a predominantly student um you know, housing property or not. But again, well, it seems like there is a trend and interest in exploring why there are so many eviction notices associated with this particular property. So for the next meeting, I'll try to gather more information and, and see what we can find out and bring to you all. Great. Thank you so much. Um, any other questions, folks? Yes, uh, Commissioner Walker. I don't have a question. I have a comment. Um, it seems like we have all this valuable information on eviction. I was wondering if we have any tenant organizations that we can give this 
information too that can dive into it since we don't have the authority to do so ourselves. Um, just to give folks in context with with people that can help them organize, because if a whole building almost is being evicted, that's an issue. I'm sorry, um, Commissioner Walker, I could barely hear. I'm trying to read the captions behind you, but if you could maybe repeat it just a little louder for me. Oh, yeah, I was just yeah. talking about the information that we have, um, how important that that information is, and it could be valuable to tenant organizations in the city of Berkeley and how we can make that contact with them. So if there's a whole building at risk of eviction, that seems like an organizing effort mm -hmm. um, can happen to, to um, save housing for those folks. Before you answer that question, Nate, I just want to say I, I think that's a good idea, but I would ask that it start with you all. That information is on the website, so I think it would be great that you would be able to share that um, and with them and let them know that it's there. Um, if they would like additional information or something that we could share to reach out for additional questions, but definitely it's there for them to be able to look into um, and share it widely. I think that's a, that's a great idea. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Johnson. Yeah, I think on that note, I think the website y'all for for privacy reasons don't disclose the actual like full address of the organization. So I don't know that we would be able to like we would, my, where I'm going to get at with the statement that I can't formulate right now is, is it possible legally for us to get information on the actual address and then reach out to them? Or is that a violation of their privacy rights? Just to remind folks that they did receive a letter from the REMP program, every single one of those tenants. So um, the privacy concerns that we have are associated with widely publicizing this information. Hmm. It is, however, discoverable under the Public Records Act law. Okay. And so if someone were to ask to inspect the forms that we receive, we would have to not have to. We we are obligated to um, uh, allow for that inspection by the public. OK, that's really helpful. All right, I'm not seeing any other questions or hands. Okay, right, I'm gonna have us go to the next item. Thank you so much. Um, okay, uh, B has been, we're gonna be hearing that next month. Um, the next one is the Berkeley side. After decades of homelessness, he had finally secured an apartment in Berkeley. Now he's being evicted. Um, that, Hopefully folks have a chance to read that. Um, going on to date to submit agenda topics um, for the July meeting is Monday, July 10th by 5 p.m. And now we're going to um, move on to the committee meetings. But I, I did want to just give another opportunity if there's anybody here um, online that wanted to make any comments about any of the, because that we're kind of at the end of the education, I mean, the action and information sections, but I, I don't see any hands being raised. Uh, Commissioner Johnson? Uh, do we need to take a pause for the captioner? No, ah, because no. we started later due to okay. closed session, but thank, okay. you. thank you for thinking of it though. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, um, we're going to go to um, the different uh, getting updates on our different committees. Um, budget and personnel is first. Uh, Commissioner Walker, do you want to add anything to um, just giving an update? Um, we actually covered pretty much what we talked about um, in budget and personnel today, which was the RFPs, the um, the action regarding the adoption of our budget and also the update on our relocation process. And our next um, meeting is scheduled for July 6th at um, 5.30 p.m. Great, thank you. So we will um, move on to the next committee, which is... That would be me. Thank you. <laughs> um, so unfortunately, we were not able to uh, meet this month, but um, we do plan on taking up the report on the um, foreclosures at our next meeting, which is July um, 11th, I believe. Right. Uh, yes. Um, I don't know if that means that we'll be able to provide that report in time for our um, regular meeting on July 20th, but um, we'll figure it out later on. Great, and the, um, we'll move on to uh, Lyra. We had no agenda items for our meeting, so we opted not to meet, but we will be back on a regular meeting schedule. Great, uh, outreach? Uh, we mostly discussed the forecoming report from the tenant survey, which we're very excited to be receiving. Um, if you want more information about it, it is in our packet, and I encourage you to take a look. Though we gave some feedback to the um, the team that we contracted to produce the report, and so the report will the semi-final version of the report will be brought to our next outreach committee meeting, and then the final final version will come to the next full board meeting. Um, and so, lots of great info in there. Look forward to getting that final version. Great. All right. What do we have left for the other committees? We have four by four. Four by four, um, which is not met. Um, hoping to do that soon. Uh, I understand that the mayor is not available now for the date that's scheduled for, so we're trying to figure that out. And the two by two, we do have a, um, a date, uh, June 26th, which will be the, the first meeting, which is very exciting. And um, ad hoc committee on environmental sustainability. We were not able to meet, unfortunately. Our meeting has been postponed, I believe, uh, June twenty eighth. Uh, it's we are still going back and forth in emails, but June twenty eighth, I believe, is the date. All right. Um, any updates or announcements? Not seeing any hands raised. All right. And discussions of any items for the future. Oh, uh, Commissioner Marrero. I'm sure this was already mentioned, but um, just encouraging folks to celebrate Juneteenth this weekend in Berkeley, even if you can come out for a little while, interact with organizations and um, the people and maybe buy some of the small merchants merchandise. Um, that's my announcement. Great. And I understand that the REM board is going to have a, is going to be there, right? 
we do have a booth at this year's um, Juneteenth. I wish I had the more details in front of me, but I don't. I apologize for that. <laughs> no problem. All right, um, Commissioner Johnson. Um, I just wanted to, just since I have the space that I'm able to occupy, I just want to point out that um, we really haven't abolished slavery in the United States, actually, and that there are still many folks who are forced to continue to do labor in our prison system. And while I think it's we should celebrate Juneteenth because um, we have the space and capacity to do so, we should remember those who aren't able to celebrate with us and try to work to address their struggles. And also, I, I would suggest we adjourn this meeting in honor of um, those challenges, but also for Pride Month as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, so to do that, we usually um, do that at the beginning of the meeting. Can we amend the agenda or how do we handle that? We can um, do the, the motion to adjourn, mm -hmm. I think. That's correct. Oh, yeah. perfect. The, the best way to do that would just be to fold it into the motion to adjourn. Okay, great. This is why I have so many great people around me who know how to do this. Okay, so um, we are, that's where we are at. Um, so, Mr. Johnson, would you like to start the motion to adjourn? After Commissioner Kelly your... gets to say what he wanted to say. <laughs> sorry, I'm oh, I'm sorry. Please. I'm running in with the flag behind me. Um, yes. Fitting. I, I color coordinated. Um, I just wanted to say on the Juneteenth that the, the Red Board is actually an official sponsor this year and oh, had great. a two-page ad in the magazine that will be there. Our staff's been working really hard on preparing that. We've heard about it at outreach a few times. There is the opportunity if any commissioners want to um, hang out with staff at the booth, that's always welcome. Um, it would be nice just to let Nate know if you're thinking about it, just so that they have an idea, um, or if you're just there and want to stop by um, the booth as you're patronizing the festival, which is in my neighborhood, very good food, um, or pick up food and drop it off to staff and say thank you for tabling. It should be a really great event. Um, but it's really awesome, I think, that um, I agree with Commissioner Johnson's remarks, but I was also just really proud that the Commission's a, a, so much more involved this year. Um, I think it's really good to support that, and I know there's a lot of excitement in the community about being back together after so many years of not being able to be together to celebrate. So thank you. Great. Thank you. So I'm going to take it back to you, Commissioner Johnson. Did you want to make the motion or? Sure. I, I'd like to move that we adjourn in honor of the folks who are um, forced to provide their labor for the American government um, and in honor of Pride Month as well. Second. I'll second. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Um, can we get a roll call vote, please? Albert? Aye. Elkstrand? Yes. Johnson? Yes. Kelly? Yes. Marrero? Yes. Martinak? Yes. Mizell? Yes. Walker? Yes. Simon Weisberg? Yes. Motion carries unanimously. Great. Thank you, everyone. Um, thank you for your patience on my uh, work being here remotely. And um, hope look forward to seeing you all soon.